Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Hello again and welcome to Market View Wrap of the Week. And joining us on the line as usual is Mr. Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, good afternoon, Melissa. <laughs> okay, for the past week, the STI has been rather stoic, huh? Yeah, it, so it's begun the week at around 31.30 and it kind of has been a bit symmetrical this week. So, so it formed a midweek high around uh, lunchtime on Wednesday up, up just above 31.50. But then it's returned back to those lows that we've been testing over the past two weeks. So the morning session low today was at 3097 uh, and that compares to the week before its low was around 3086 and then the week before that was around, in, you know, in the third 3070. So it all, all up means that the STI is down three tenths of a percent on the week and in line with the broader ASEAN region which has also declined three tenths of a percent. The, the, the STI uh, looking across the constituents, there hasn't been too much variation across the 30 stocks. So you've got Hong Kong Land, Comfort Delgro, Jardine Matheson, mm. all leading the 30 stocks, averaging mm. exactly 2.3% gains, while on the other side of the coin, Keppel DC REIT, Jardine Cycle and Carriage and SATs have led the decline as averaging 2.2% decline. Mm. So as I said, quite a, quite a kind of symmetrical, as you said, stoic mm. week. Um, mm. for, for the first four sessions of the week, the institutional investors, they net sold about $200 million of stocks. Um, so DBS, Singtel, UOB, Wilmar and OBC OCBC recorded the most net institutional selling, while Ascender Street, Hong Kong Land, NetLink, City Developments and AEM Holdings recorded the most net institutional buying for the four sessions. Where we did see a little bit of divergence this week was in the high-tech stocks. Um, so despite the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, the SOX Index, declining close to 6% for the first four sessions of the week, we had AEM, UMS, Franken, ISDN and GVT, those five stocks averaged seven tenths of a percent in decline so so much more defensive but of course that did follow that uh, may industrial production report that we had out last friday which did show that electronics were the main source of uh, that industrial production growth reprinted i think semiconductors growth was up 45 46 percent thereabouts year on year mm. but if we were to take a step back um mm. and consider the entire first half of this year yeah what are some of the key things that jumped out at you that could well, that could uh, Shine some light for us for the second half of the year. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, it, so so we we saw the basically the commodity prices have a pretty big impact on the equity markets, uh, and we did see that somewhat at the back end of last year. But that was all on demand-driven factors. This time, it was all supply-driven factors with the Ukraine crisis. The good news was is we did make global progress uh, throughout those six months on COVID nineteen, which which was really good. But um, the biggest, I guess, mover for the markets was uh, the technology sector, uh, obviously impacted by higher energy costs impacted by the supply chain constraints, impacted by the outlook for higher interest rates. And of course, the recurring uh, COVID uh, reinfections in China uh, and breakouts, which basically has had trimmed the outlook for consumer growth in China. And hence, technology stocks, which have become such an important part of the global stock market now, really did weigh the big benchmarks. So that's why S&P 500, FTSE developed index, they're all down 15 to 20% Mm. for the six months. But of course, in Singapore, 
before. We 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 are we're very big on services, obviously, and financial services is a big part of that. And yes, and the banks make up 45% of the STI. Mm. Banks were comparatively more defensive than technology stocks for the six months, and thus we saw uh, the STI actually comparatively defensive and, and actually gained a little bit, 1.3% for the year, mm. albeit it did decline 4% in June, and that um, you know basically was again on the back of uh, of banks underperforming in June. Mm. But given what's happening with the tech stocks, would you say this is a correction um, that we are looking at a rebound eventually? Yeah, you know, you know that's I've been asked that question quite a bit this week um, because June was an interesting month. It wasn't. There was a little bit of uh, push and pull across the across the tech sectors. We did see instances where tech actually outpaced the global stock market and most sectors in on on occasion uh, during the week, but then. Uh, obviously fell um, towards the back end of June, the end of June. So it really depends on China, a big part of it, and the outlook for consumer confidence. Um, Because obviously there's many parts to tech. For automobile demand and the high-tech precisions, obviously there's a lot of demand, but the peripherals, the tablets, the consumer phones, smartphones and so forth, demand for that, um, the outlook isn't so great given the slashing down of global growth rates that we've got. And that means that tech stocks, they had a pretty um, decent retracement, mm. something like 30% of their gains um, had, that had been made in 2020 and 2021 had basically been given back over the past six months. So it's interesting, when you look back over the last um, two and a half years, tech stocks are still up significantly. Mm. It's just that they had made um, such strong gains in 2020 mm. and 2021, mm. and that, and that uh, had the investor world thinking, how sustainable were those gains? Mm. How sustainable is this uh, very very close to now seven, no, what is it? It's uh, four, six, four, six. How, mm. how sustainable is this mm. six-year cycle we've seen uh, for the technology sector? Mm. So, right. so so those questions have been asked and mm-hmm. and, and uh, remains to see what happens in this quarter ahead. And and in uh, from my, my where I'm standing anyway, it looks like, you know, what's happening in the tech sector, including crypto, is actually weeding out the good performers from, well, you know, those with lesser fundamentals, let's just say. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you, you would think so. But look, you can have fund, good fundamentals. But at the end of the day, if, if the whole uh, uh, fund world of investing and mm. the buy side is all mm-hmm. um, sort of re-rating it and, and, not, uh, and, and you're going to have all that momentum still mm. impacting you. It, it's like take AM Holdings for instance. It's it's going it's mm. its guidance is for a record year of revenue mm. um, after a record first quarter mm. uh, this year, but still it hasn't been able to escape the overall broader declines in its share price um, that of course as I said have been driven by this this global sector mm-hmm. repricing. Okay, I'm looking to ask you more about the long-term prospects of the tech sector, especially crypto, uh, you know, but unfortunately we have other also very pertinent more immediate information that we we, we would like your views on um, yeah. inflation figures. Right? We saw some coming out of Spain and Germany, the markets across most of Asia Pacific, not very happy with what they saw. Uh, and we have more figures coming out today, including uh, from the euro area. What are your expectations? Yeah, so I think it's at 5 p.m. tonight. Uh, those June CPI estimates will be out for the eurozone. It is expected to show further acceleration. Uh, I think it's, it's expected to print 8.5% year-on-year growth. And that's, as we say, that's accelerating. It's up from 8.1% in May. There is some conjecture out there, though, that inflation may be peaking. And so if that print does 
come in below expectations. It would obviously be welcomed by the ECB. I think it's 20, yeah, it's 21st of July that the ECB next meet. And they have already well signalled that they plan to raise rates by 25 basis points. Um, and while, while that's fully expected, if inflation does show some signs of receding in the next few months, it may, of course, impact the path of rate hikes that are pretty much projected or expected in the year ahead. So um, I think the ECB expects annual inflation uh, the growth to actually come in just under 7% this year mm. uh, before halving down to 3.5% the following year in 2023. So, mm. uh, yeah, obviously it'll be watched pretty closely. Okay. If it, just, you, uh, mm. I should also, sorry, just mm. one more thing, that Europe does not have that growth buffer that the US has, mm. um, and, and hence uh, we've seen that play out in the market somewhat as well. If you look at the FTSE Epronari Developed Europe Index, it's declined uh, by something something like a third, 33% so far this year. Okay. And uh, this is uh, for our listeners who are just joining us right now. We're speaking to Mr. Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Jeff, let's come closer to uh, this region now. Um, on top of rising prices, um, there are also fears of recession. Uh, Bank of New Zealand, the central bank's uh, economist, right, uh, expect the country to enter, not just enter into a recession next year, but enter into a deeper recession than previously thought. Yeah. Is it that? <laughs> so your reaction is just like okay it sounds like you you seem to have taken that into consideration and it's not a surprise for you yeah no i have uh, some family there and they were, they, they run a uh, i guess a, a small type of museum mm. monument for for one of my relatives and um mm. And they've just had to basically, they're moving, moving, you know, lifting up all the cars and all the memorabilia mm. and, and moving it uh, to a bit further out of town. And mm. look, the, the Royal Bank of New Zealand, it was, it was relatively really, it was actually really quick to raise its interest rates um, in the face of those inflation challenges that across the world we've been seeing this year. They had back-to-back 50 basis point hikes in April and May. So its cash rate is now 2%. And that, that compares to Australia, which is... 0.85%. So when you look at those two rate hikes, 50 basis points, um, you had some data just after then that showed, uh, I think it was in mid-June, that the first quarter GDP was below expectations and did decline 0.2% quarter on quarter. Uh, and, and that was after pretty significant 3% quarter on quarter growth back in the la- last quarter of last year. So, so that, was a, that was a bit of re- really big surprise Melissa, so it's, I mean, it's generally seen as too soon for those rate hikes to have obviously impacted growth, mm. but we, we can expect, what we can expect out of this is a lot more discussion and debate on the overall impact of rate hikes in the overall world of not just higher inflation, but also slower growth and continued, albeit obviously seemingly lessingly, um, lessing COVID risks. I mean, last week we saw the Fed chair, he agreed with uh, Senator Warren, who, who was a contender uh, for the presidential nominations in the Democrat Party, he he did agree that higher rates will do nothing to reduce energy prices mm. or supply chain constraints. And the Fed does very much set a standard for global central banks. So it means that when you have the Fed Reserve that has a policy to maximise transparency um, to the market on, on what its interest rate intentions are, and the Fed chair also admitting last month that if and when neutral interest, policy, neutral interest rate policy is achieved will be a judgment call, rather than a set level, then you're going to have this region very closely monitoring the speaking events 
of the Fed voting members uh, over the next few weeks, as well as uh, central bank governors over the next few weeks, because we're in a little bit of an area where there's less uncertainty, uh, there's less certainty, and more judgment calls, and hence, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. Okay, well, let's let's turn to some good news, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Closer to home. <laughs> um, if you enjoy chicken, you might yeah. like to know why. The Indonesia has been approved as our new source of frozen chilled chicken. Um, mm. Do you see the price of chicken coming down anytime soon? Yeah, I mean that's that's obviously one of the one of the reasons uh, mm. and rationale for for doing this. But and it is good news for obviously the supply of broiler chicken in particular but mm. obviously everything still stays subject to the mm. SFA standards but I should point out we do actually have one uh, animal protein stock as one of our top 80 stocks by turnover here and that's mm. Jaffa. That stock's gained uh, 1.5% this year so it's in line with the STI. However it has rallied some 7% since mid-June and it's three key pillars. Uh, the poultry business in Indonesia has swine business in Vietnam and dairy business in China. And for that poultry business, it rep- that represents the bulk of uh, a listed subsidiary in Indonesia, PT Jaffa Business. Mm. And that stock's actually up 12% since mid-June. Mm. Uh, so, so obviously there, there are some supply factors, uh, not just in Singapore, but across the region. Mm. Mm. Okay, good. Let's um, see if we can enter the weekend on a you know, a happier footing. What can we yeah. expect for next week? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, there's, uh, for, for the economic data, there's, there, we've got the PMI as usual uh, mm. on Monday night and then uh, retail sales data will be out on Tuesday for Singapore mm. and that's the bulk of the economic data mm. for seeing it's, it's, mm. it's going to be a, a little bit of a quieter week because the US obviously has its Independence Day holiday on Monday. Mm. Um, you will have uh, FOMC minutes from June uh, released Midweek, uh, ECB will also release its its like they say account of the June policy meeting. Mm. You've also got um, the G20 foreign ministers meeting as well in Bali, and the Russian foreign minister is actually expected to to attend there. So so that's that's on Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. next week. So so that, a little bit more of the of the global politics as we saw this week will mm-hmm. will continue on to next week. Mm. Okay, I'm going to turn the clock back to today. Actually, yeah. <laughs> we saw some. Um, I would say encouraging data out of China, PMI uh, from mm. Tyson, that's an independent tracker, right? Because we saw the statistics out from the, the National Bureau yesterday, also of the PMI, in the early 50s, right? So, yeah. so what do you make of this? How positively can we take this news for the rest of the region? Because we know that when China sneezes, <laughs> right? It's, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's so important. Uh, so it, that was, it, was, it was a good report. Uh, it, the uh, so it's the Kaisin China manufacturing number for June. It, it came in at fifty one point seven. It was expected to, to come in at fifty point two, which is still expansionary, but the margin was higher than expected. And the last time it was actually above fifty was in February this year. So it's been quite a few months. March you've had March, April, uh, and May in in, in a contractory territory. Mm. So it so it's a, very much a welcome return. Mm. Okay, so that's more happy news to enter yeah. into the weekend. <laughs> okay, well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. As always, it's been great talking to you. Thank you, pleasure, yes. Melissa. And Thanks. as I was uh, as I was selling to our listeners, actually, uh, that first of July this month uh, kicks yep. off uh, what I would call 
for a countdown to a new normal for the afternoons on Money FM 89.3. The date to look out for is the 12th of July. I'm not telling you more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks again, Jeff. Have a fantastic weekend. Thank you so much, Melissa. And that was Mr. Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Uh, I'm Melissa Hyak. Stay tuned to Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.